Cairo, Seattle. Herm Edwards. For those of you sports fans who go way back, you remember Herm as a really good NFL player, cornerback for the Philadelphia Eagles for nearly a decade in the NFL. You may also remember him as an assistant coach on his way up with Tony Dungy, who was so influential in his life. You must certainly remember Herm Edwards as the coach of the New York Jets. Some of his sound bites are still played on radio stations all across the country, and he coached the Chiefs as well. Or maybe you just know him as one heck of an ESPN personality for over a decade, really putting color in what a color commentator was with fun, with energy, and with an enthusiasm so unique to really anybody in that position. But Herm Edwards is also a man of faith. And that story, well, I didn't even know, and certainly hasn't been told to the level you're going to hear about it for the next 40 minutes. I know a lot of Herm. I know Herm, the coach, the coach Damon. Um, I know a lot of Herm, but I don't know a young Herman Edwards. And I don't know the Herman Edwards yeah. home right. that you grew up in. Can we start there? We can. Um, Mom was a German war bride. Came from Stuttgart, Germany. I married my dad. Um, my dad was a military man for 22 years, fought in the Korean War and World War II. Um, now you can imagine, I was born in 54. Uh, around probably 58, we moved from Germany, uh, where I was born in Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. We moved to Germany when I was about two or three, got stationed in Germany, and then he was going to come back to the United States with my mom, uh, well, as we know, America wasn't the same America it is right now. And so being married to a German war bride, my father had to get transferred to the West Coast. So we went west uh, in an army base for the most part, uh, Fort Ord, California. My father retired there. Then we moved to an adjacent community called Seaside, California, right there on the peninsula. Mm-hmm. My father was a construction guy. My mom worked as a waitress, basically, because she had no education. Father had about a seventh grade education, and then he joined the Army. And so grew up in a community. Uh, there was diversity in the community for the most part. Um, religion was not a big part of our family's, uh, what I would say, uh, staple, but was in a neighborhood where a lot of families were religious. Baptists uh, would go to church uh, on Sundays with some of the kids and their moms and dads on Sundays and go down, you know, and you're talking two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour service <laughs> and sitting in there, you know, and, and listening to all this, you know, being young growing up. And, and then as you keep continuing to grow, you go to college. I, I go to college. So I knew a little bit about religion, but, you know, wasn't per se versed in it, but understood it, mm-hmm. understood that, uh, you know, believed in Jesus Christ and believed in all that. Um, but really wasn't, I don't know, I shouldn't say passionate, I was I was I was baptized a Catholic. My mom was a Catholic, believe it or not, and uh, really didn't you know hone in on a whole lot. In college, a little bit, I had my Bible, and you kind of read it. You read your verses. You know, there's a couple of verses you you try to live by. Um, went to Cal Berkeley now, you know, so that's a little bit different now. <laughs> Going to Cal Berkeley in 1972, I mean, there's a lot happening in the world, you know. And you look in your Bible, you go, oh boy, some of these people are right here on, on the campus. You know, and you kind of, you keep it at that, you know, and you just kind of walk around and you're trying to find your way. 
And then uh, from there, you know, I left there, obviously, uh, and, and went to San Diego State after my senior year and played down there and then went to Philadelphia. Met a guy by the name of Randy Logan. Uh, Randy Logan was a strong safety on our team, um, and I can remember he had Bible studies in his home. And from there, we had a little Bible study, and we would talk, and, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was kind of trying to, I'm finding my way. You know, I knew religion was a big part of my, my life, but, but I didn't know really how it was going to affect my life. And um, kind of interesting, when I was in college, my, my senior year played in the Japan Bowl and played against a guy by the name of Tony Dungy. And I met Tony Dungy in 1977. And for some reason, we just became friends. Mm. And I think we kind of thought alike a little bit. And our paths crossed again. He goes to Pittsburgh. I go to Philadelphia. Um, I'm playing in Philly. Tony kind of goes into the coaching part. I'm still playing. Randy Logan is a guy that had the Bible studies. And all of a sudden, the GM for the 76ers, and I, I, I hate to forget his name right now, almost an evangelist now, um, He's not with the 76ers anymore, but he was part of this with Julius and all these guys, Irving and all these guys. We had these big Bible studies, right? And so you're into the Bible, but you're just kind of figuring your way out. And then all of a sudden I go to my career ends. I go to San Jose State. I become the secondary coach for Claude Gilbert, who coached me at San Diego State. From there, I go to Kansas City after three years, become a scout and part-time coach. Tony Dungy's there. Tony Dungy's, we would have a Bible study. And I'm in there with Tony and, you know, and visiting with Tony. And we became very good friends. And I think he kind of got me on the path of really, really trying to live a Christian life. He was probably Randy Logan, a teammate of mine in, in, in Philadelphia, and Tony, as far as religion goes, probably impacted my life more than any preacher any priest could ever do because of the way they lived their lives and watching Tony and knowing Tony from the time I met him in 1977 as a college player and watching his career as a coach and then having the ability to coach with him as an assistant coach at Kansas City and then becoming his assistant head coach in Tampa it changed my life it changed my life dramatically those days I can remember then I meet my wife Uh, my wife is Catholic I would go to mass, you know, Sundays, and I said, you know what, I, I have to, I have to really, we're going to get married, and obviously, you got to go through all the procedures of getting married, and 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 you know, got married in a, in a Catholic church, and and really, this myself to being a Catholic, and whether you're Catholic, Protestant, Baptist, we all believe in our faith. You, you know, I just say there, there, one God is for everyone. <laughs> he he just doesn't pick a religion. He he's the master of everyone. And from there, I think what I learned was this. Um, you think you're in control, you're not. This is a verse that I keep in my, I carry this in my wallet, I carry this in my bag, and you can see it's kind of it's a little bit beat up. And it's kind of interesting because it says, Lord, help me understand that you are in control and have a plan for my life. Grant me the wisdom to understand that your plan may, de- may be different than mine. Give me the courage to follow wherever you lead. Amen. I read this all the time because when I look at this, 
I look at all the places I've been and all the opportunities that have been presented to me through my faith, through Christ. It's not by accident. Let's go back to Cal. Berkeley. Yes. And let's go back to one of those decisions that you made. What was one of the driving forces to take you from Cal to San Diego State? Well, I, I think it was, I had a personality class with a coach. And I had to make a decision. And I learned at that point in time, I said, you know, I'm willing to give up a scholarship to go somewhere else and basically say, I'm betting on me. and I'm going to be okay. That was my thinking. I, I've always had this, this, this ability and focus to say, bet on me, because that's good enough. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says or does, you bet on me. I've never been a follower. When you go to Cal Berkeley out of high school, you're not a follower. Trust me. You don't go there following people. It's like, I'm, I'm kind of going there. <laughs> you're talking, and people are going, he's going where? He's going to Cal Berkeley. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was, so I, I've never been a follower. I've kind of been my own guy. And I think that's helped me. And as faith became more of a focus in my life, mm-hmm. realized that, look, the hardest thing to do is say you're a man of faith and then you walk your life that way. That's not easy. You know, people say, well, yeah, I, no, no, no. Do you walk your life that way? It's kind of interesting. When I took this job, and this is just faith-based. When, when I took this job, it was like, what is the slogan? You know, what, what, what is your, what's going to be your saying? I don't make this up. I don't know where it came from. I went. Words and actions. Do the words that come out of your mouth meet your actions? Kind of like faith. Mm-hmm. You say you're a man of faith. I learned this from Tony. I learned this from Randy Logan. Are you just faithful in the dark? Or when you put yourself out in the light where everybody can see you, are you that same guy? That's hard for a lot of people. Because, you know, you feel like, if I, I, what, how do I? No, you got to walk your life that way. You got to make some decisions. You got you to gotta look at things and go, no, I'm not going there. I'm, I'm not, no, I'm not doing that. That's not who I am. And I think being around Tony and watching that man every day, I went, hey, I have to be more like him if I'm going to be a man of faith. If I'm truly going to be a man of faith, I got to be more like Tony Dungy. How do you navigate your gift, which is what you just said, you're a leader and not a follower. How do you navigate that wiring, that gifting, that I'm a bet on me, with also understanding that, that it's about him? Oh, it is about him. How did you do it athletically? This is the intersection of faith and spirit. Yes. How did you do that athletically? And then ultimately, how are you doing that now in a mentoring role where you take, like, I'm a bet on myself. And I know people, I'm a bet, I'm so headstrong, and I'm a leader, I'm a bet on myself. Yet I also know, and i got to know, that it's grounded in his wisdom and not mine. Oh, and that's why I read this. Because I live by faith, not by sight. And I know wherever he leads me, that's where I'm going. I'm not going to fight it. You, know, you mm-hmm. don't fight it. You just go, okay. I'm, this is what, you're taking me here? I'm going. I'm not going to ask you any questions. I don't know why I'm going here, but I'm in. I'm all in, and I realize that because I look at my path through my life, and I go, 
he always opens doors. One closes, another one opens. And you go, how does this happen? How does a kid that grows up basically, you know, I say middle class, but it probably wasn't middle class. And you have this gift, you have this talent. My father wasn't an athlete. My mom was an athlete. I had this talent. I had this gift. I said, where do you get this from? And then you, when you have it, you go, what do you do with it? Right? And I go, well, I'm going to be an athlete. And you're this athlete, and you're a pretty good athlete, and you realize that after a while, and you go, you know, I can, I'm better than everybody else. I mean, in your mind, because you, you play with guys, and you go, I'm better than all these guys. And as you get older, you go, how does this happen? How do you just have this? And I think when you're, when you're around athletics, you see guys and you go, boy, they got a lot of talent. I think the way it works for me is this. Once you find your purpose, then you can follow your passion. I found my purpose at a young age. I, I wanted to be this athlete. Now, do you have passion for it? Or are you willing to Go do this. Are you willing to sacrifice things? It's almost like in your faith. When you say you live by faith, not by sight, you walk in the dark sometimes. And you don't know where the road's going. You're just kind of walking. You're going, where am I going? Sitting down with Coach Herm Edwards. We now dig into the next chapter of his life, and that is his journey in coaching and the role that his mentor really played in his life, the influence that Coach Dungy had on him. He was grooming me to become a head coach. Okay. And so I leave, and I become the head coach. And then they let Tony go, and I'm like, really? And then he goes to... He goes to the Colts. Mm-hmm. But it's like anything. It, it's like, I looked at that and I went, huh? And then I started thinking about it. I went, well, guess what? The good Lord wants him to go there. And sure enough, he built the team that was ready to win a Super Bowl. Coach Gruden comes in, does a marvelous job. They win a Super Bowl. But he sends Tony to the Colts. And Tony wins the Super Bowl with the Colts. I go, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. How was New York for you? Oh, it was a wonderful platform. I loved it. Um, a lot of pressure being a coach in New York, right? But I think I was well grounded to be able to handle it, being around Tony. It helped me. You know, I, I, it was, I was okay. It was, it was, it was like, I'm good with this energy in New York. It, it never sleeps. Right? <laughs> I never sleep. I'm always up. So it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, so, I mean, my poor wife, when I take this job, she says, where are we going? I said, we're going to New York. She says, oh, you go to New York? I said, we're going to New York, honey. Go somewhere else. I said, no, 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 no. Here's the classic. So then you'll, 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 you'll appreciate this. So first game of the season, excited. I'm the head coach of the Jets, you know, and guess who we play? Peyton Manning. At home. So Peyton comes in there and he beats us. First game, I've always had to lose the first game. And there's, a, there's some smutterings of booze, oh, whatever. And my wife, she comes out after the game and she's already crying. She says, 
call him. And I'm looking at her, I said, what are you talking about, honey? She says, call Tony. He'll take us back. <laughs> After the first game. I said, honey, it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be all right, honey. It's gonna, she's all, no, no, no. She says, we got to go back. I said, no, honey, we're going to stay here. We're going to be all right. First game. Out the box. I'm going, are you kidding me? My poor wife. She's just, she's hysterical, man. She said, Tony, you'll take us back. You'll take us back. I said, nah, honey, we're going to stay for a while. We're going to be okay. End up being okay. Yeah. It worked out okay. It sure did. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the biggest lessons you learned there? The biggest one is, is be who you are and, and, and be, you know, be the man you say you're going to be because you're in the spotlight. For the most part, I think players, even the people that covered us, will know that's him. That's who he is. He's real. He's not sugarcoating it. He's not putting on this for the cameras. He lives his life that way every day. You know, and I just think you have to do that. When you profess yourself being a man of faith, you're putting yourself out there for people to look at it. And here's the deal. It's like anything. They wait for you to slip. Oh, yeah, well, that's a, you know, that, well, that's a Christian guy. Yeah, look at him. I'm not going to slip. I'm not going to slip. It's not happening. No. No. Not going to slip. You had said something pretty profound. I think it was just even in our production meeting. Mm-hmm. We got into a deep discussion about you taking the Kansas City job. Yeah. You had to take that job. Yes. I got traded. And uh, I came in the league as a scout slash coach because Tony was coaching the secondary. I was helping him. Bill Cowher was the coordinator. Marty was the head coach. And basically, Lamar Hunt gave me an opportunity. Hmm. Prior to that season, I did an internship there. Carl Peterson, who recruited me out of UCLA with Dick Vermeil. I go back since I was 17 years old with Carl Peterson. He's the GM. He brings me in there. Marty says, you know, we gotta, we got we to get this guy in here. The next season... They actually created a job for me, and that was Lamar, one of the greatest owners ever and greatest person ever. And it was ironic because when I was in New York and Dick had retired out 13 years, he came back to coach. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to St. He goes to St. Louis, but then from there he goes to Kansas City. And now all of a sudden he's going to retire and they want me to come back to become the head coach to build a program. So they make a trade. And I, I got to go back. <laughs> These are the people that gave me my first start in the NFL. I said, I got to go back. And Lamar Hunt wants me to come back to build a program. I'm going back. So I go back. It was, it was interesting. It was, and never, you're sitting there in New York and you go, wait a minute now. Now I got to leave and, and Pretty good football. The playoffs three times, either three years out of the five, and the two times we weren't, you know, the quarterback went down and we won a division, and I'm going, I got to go to Kansas City. It was almost like what that man did for me, he gave me my first opportunity to become a coach. You know, there's something about when someone gives you an opportunity, you never forget that. And it was just the Dick Vermeil, the Carl Peterson, Lamar, it was like, okay, I got to go. And I got traded to Kansas City. Who would have ever thought? My wildest dreams. I'm getting traded mm-hmm. as a head coach. <laughs> how does that happen? That's how. Yes. That's exactly right. I ended up back in the place I started. And then ultimately, Herm, 
that door eventually closes. Yes. Did you know that was closing? Did you know it was time that that door was going to close you, you, because you, another one was to open? Yes. And then all of a sudden you go from, okay, we're trying to build something. We're not going to have enough time to do it. What happens now? I can remember the day leaving where we parted ways. It was, I don't know what day it was, on, like on a Wednesday. On Friday, I was at the Worldwide Leader. <laughs> I was working. <laughs> I was on television. I was working. And when I walk in there, it's, it, this, this thing is ironic because Boomer, you know, Chris Berman, I was one of the first guys he ever interviewed. It was back in 1980 when we were going to the Super Bowl. I still had the footage of it. And all of a sudden, I come up to Bristol. They hire me. And the first thing, Boomer and TJ goes, we were waiting on you, wondering when you are going to get here. <laughs> and so I go on television. I'm going, are you kidding me? And it's just platforms that are just set there. And then all of a sudden, you sit there, you know, and you're, you're, you're on television, and you have another platform. You get to talk about football. But more than that, the thing that I got out of that was this, is that I think most people that I would see, you know, across the country, doing things for ESPN. The thing that I enjoyed the most, when I, when I would talk to people, they would say, you're the voice of reason, coach. When you come on, you're kind of the voice of reason. I take this job. I go into families' homes to recruit their children. And mom will ask me after a 10-minute conversation, she'll go, coach. I ask you a question. I say, yes. She says, you're the same guy that was on television? <laughs> and I say, yes, ma'am, I am. She says, that's good. She said, because when you come on television, you speak truth. That's what we get from you. And I go, well, that's who I am. That's who I try to be every day. You know, just be a man of truth. Just say it like it is. And you could say it in a way where you don't have to be critical in the fact you're trying to put people down, but you're trying to make people understand why things happen, right? So I had that job. Now, I've had opportunities to come back to coach. Who would ever thought in your wildest dreams, being out of coaching, I get a call from Ray. Well, guess what? My first contract that I signed as a head coach with the New York Jets, my agent was Ray. Now, who would ever thought in your wildest dreams, wait, went from being an agent, working for the Atlanta Falcons, working for the league office, to be an AD? Who, who makes that up? That's just, it's just kind of like, and then I get this call, I go, well, you know, we're trying to do, and I, I'm in. I'm sitting here with you. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you don't plan this stuff. It's like, you, you can't make it up. It's like, you don't have this map saying, well, I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to go over here. And I'm gonna... God put me here. It's fascinating, though, Herm, because your life as a coach and in that league for 30 years, your life sitting on a studio desk with show sheets that were scripted 
your life was scripted as a as a coach and as a player. As a TV person, there's a script in front of you. Yeah. Right now, as we're sitting in your office, I guarantee you there's probably a first 15 script. No doubt. About no doubt. Your life in so many of those ways is so scripted, and yet your walk in your faith is one of... There's no script. There's no script. Because as soon as you think you control it, he takes you somewhere else. As, as soon as you said, well, here's where I'm going, they go, no, he goes, no, 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 no. You ain't going there. You're going over here. I'm going, really? And he just opens doors. Mm-hmm. And you have this feeling and you go, look, I had other opportunities to go back and coach. And yeah, I told why didn't, why, why? It was never, the, it was just not the right fit. I was like, I wanted my girls to grow up in one area. I didn't, and I told my wife, no, we're not going there. Not. And then this thing, and I looked at my wife, I go, honey. And she goes, you got to be kidding. I go, no. She says, we're going back, aren't we? I said, we got to. She was waiting for Tony to get a job. <laughs> and Tony wasn't going back. No. Tony says, I mean, we used to talk. We go, ah, we're good. And then, so, when I took this job, the first call was from Tony. He goes, boy, he said, you're something. <laughs> he laughed and he says, good for you. He said, good for college football. Mm-hmm. It just, and you know what I've learned? I've talked to a lot of coaches that are in college football. And they've all said this, Coach, you're going to be good for college football. And that to me is humbling when they tell me that. Because I think I've seen enough. I've been around a lot of coaches, college coaches as well. I mean, I never left the college game. I was always involved in it, watching it, going to places, going to schools. But now when I stand before these young men, look, I'm as old as their fathers. Maybe older than some of their fathers, right? And so... I have to be on point. Kids do their homework. Social media and and the way they can gather information. When I stood before this team, the first time I talked to them, they knew the guy from television. Mm -hmm. And they kind of knew about him, but they didn't know the man. The guy that was going to be in front of them every day that they watch. They just watch me. They watch my language. They watch how I talk to people. They watch my mannerisms during the game when things are going crazy, all that, and they're going, okay, we know Coach is a man of faith, but let's see. Let's see. It's powerful now. Your greatest challenge in your walk and your faith, people will be tuning in and listening to this, and they'll love it, and they'll be inspired as they were when they watch you on TV. I I think your, your, your greatest challenge is when you say you're a person of faith, you got to live your life that way. Not just sometimes. My biggest challenge is when I go home and I look at my two little girls, I'm their daddy. I'm not the coach. I'm their father. And they look at me and they hear everything I say when I talk to my wife or my wife and myself have a conversation. I want them, when they grow up to become women, to look at their father and go, I got to marry a man like my daddy. Because I saw how he treated my mommy. Mm-hmm. That to me is the most important thing I got to do. I got to be a man at home, but a man that has faith in his life. And I think my daughters need to see that every day because I'm their dad. You know, and to me, 
Is it hard? It's hard. But I know I got to walk this way. And I'm okay walking this way. I really am because I want them to grow up and go, you know what? Okay. You know, they're going to date, do whatever they do, and I'll be scared to death. But I think they live in a home where they know faith is very important. We build our whole day around that. They know that. But I can't walk in the door and shatter that and start doing things where they go, Daddy, that don't match up, right? That's the biggest challenge I have. How about your 85 sons on scholarship and your other 30 or so (laughs) walk-ons? How about all those kids? Well, I think the same for them because they're looking for consistency in their life. And, you know, when you're young like that, you're influenced by so many people because you have so many voices in your head and you have the ability to gather information. A lot of information. Mm -hmm. And I think for them, when they watch me every day and my coaching staff, they go, okay, let's see, coach. How is he going to handle this? How is he going to handle that situation? Do I have mood swings? Yeah. Do I get excited sometimes? Yeah. But it's never, they never leave the room when I'm excited, whether it's good or being not critical, but constructive, they leave with this. And this is what faith always gives you, hope. Hope. They leave the room with hope. My message is always, no matter how bad it gets, there's hope. Because when one has hope in their life, they're encouraged. They're inspired. They go, oh, okay. As bad as it may be, he gave us hope. I try to do that every day. I try to live my life that way. There's always hope. It's never as bad as it may seem. There's hope. There's a way you can get out of this. There's a way we can, we can achieve this. And I, I got to be that guy because I believe that. That's what I truly believe because of my walk with Christ. I mean, there's always the darkest period of my life was when my father died my rookie year. He watched me play one professional football game. One. And I can remember my father growing up, my mom never watched me play high school football. She was scared to death. My father never watched me play a high school football game. Hmm. Never. He was always working. He worked worked 200 miles away from where we lived. He came home on the weekends. Okay? And so he knew I was kind of a good athlete. Never watched. Then, he, then he finally went to a game when I was at Cal. And he watched me play. He went, wow. He watched me play a pro football game. And my mother told me the story. When he came home, it was in L.A. against the Rams. Got my first NFL interception against Joe Namath. Still had a ball, by the way. And he comes home, and he sits at the supper table with my mom. And he goes, our son made it. His dream came true. My mom said he was in tears. Mm-hmm. That was one of his proudest moments. He said, my son, he, our son did it, honey. He, he, he became a professional footballer. That's what he wanted. That was his dream, right? So he dies, and I was shook. I was like, man, my dad, at 60 years old, he passes away, you know? And my sister and my mom, and I can remember going in there when they brought him in there. and My mom was at work. And I went to the hospital, and he was on the gurney, and I'm talking to him. 
And he looks at me, he says, son, he says, you make sure your mom and your sister are okay. Everything's going to be all right. I go, okay, dad. And I leave the, the room, and the doc comes out five minutes later, he's gone. I'm like, huh? I mean, you know, and so at that point, I was like, I'm the man of the family. And I had to be strong because my mom and sister were, and, you know, to bring all this people and this, for all the stuff. And I'm like, I was strong, I was strong, you know, and I was just holding it inside. And eventually, when they laid my father to rest, I can remember the next day, I must have sobbed all day by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, man, my dad, you know. And then going back to Philly, Dick Vermeil. Here comes Dick Vermeil in my life again. A guy that recruited me. He was almost like my dad. He got me through that whole season because I was like, I was shook, man. I was like, man, you know. So that was one of the darkest days in my life right there. Yeah. When, when, when that happened, you know, when, when, that, when that moment happened. Because I was 60 years old, you go, what? Yeah. How does this happen? But I think, you know, you, you go through tragedy and you go, okay, well, what do I got to do now? I had to be the man. I had to be the man of our household. I said, you got to do this now. And you live with it. What's the next door that's going to open? Oh, I tell you, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I don't, I, don't I, I, I just sit here and I go, I came here for a reason. God brought me here for a reason. I know he did. Mm. And I want to build something here that when it's time for me to leave, I go, I did the right thing. I, I did the right thing, you know, and, and, and move on. Because, I, you know, I, I look at my life and I go, my age is a number. It's not. It doesn't represent who I am as far as my feelings and my passion. It's like. I have all this energy and I'm going, people look at me and go, how does this guy, I, I just do it. I don't know. I don't know how this happened. I don't know why I wake up at four o'clock in the morning every day. I don't know. It's just like, I get up <laughs> and I have thoughts, right? And I go, what are you doing? You know, and there's always, what I love about this job the most, there's always a young man that I can talk to. I find two or three every day and I I'm around him, and I, I try to give him encouragement. Just, you know, because I know how, I, being a college football player, and, you know, you're walking around with all these thoughts, you know, and I, I just try to, I, 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 I hug one every day. It's just like, they're like sons. They're like my sons, you know, and like, if I can just give them back and be the man that I should be so that when they become men, and whether they become professional football players or they become fathers and and good husbands and, and, and citizens in the community, they'll look back and go, Coach Herman made a difference in my life. That's why I'm here. And isn't it beautiful, last thing here, Herman, isn't it beautiful that the world looked at you being hired here and went, huh? And yeah. the football community went, what? Yeah. It's amazing. Isn't it kind of beautiful that, the, you know, in the... It's just, it just works. You know, and, you, and when you do something like this, you go... Hey, look, God put me here. He knows why I'm here. And, and that's all that matters. You know, I've always understood this. I don't need confirmation. I've got confirmation from the right source. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. And for the young athlete that's going to listen to this, to the mom or the dad or the preacher or the sports ministry that's going to find this and say, oh, man. I want to hear that testimony. I want to hear about that life. 
I want to I want to know how they intersect this faith and sports. Mm-hmm. The greatest encouragement that you can give to a young aspiring Christian athlete, to a young aspiring family raising their kids and wanting to do so much of this is what. Listen to this now. Walk by faith, not by fear. You fear nothing. Don't ever fear anything. You just walk by faith. If you do that and you truly believe that, doors open. They just open. I don't know when they're going to open, how they open. They just open. They just open. I'm sitting right here because the door opened. Did I think this was going No. Did I think this opportunity? But, but I'm here. And when they open, don't fight it because you can't fight it. It's going to open. And you don't know when it's going to open. You don't know the time, the place, how it's going to do it. And know this. When you decide to profess your faith, do it. Be committed, not interested. A lot of people are interested when it serves a purpose, when it helps them. No, no, you got to be committed to this. And when you commit to something like this, it's powerful, man, because people see you're different. You know, he's a little different now. Now, people say that about me, maybe for the wrong reasons. They say, well, he's got, he got a screw missing. He's a little different. But you're different. You're, you're different. And you want to be. See, it's funny. Sports, you know, you want all this, you know, attention. Just be you. If you just be you and don't try to follow, don't be a follower. I tell my daughters all the time, do whatever you do in life. Don't be a follower. You don't want to be liked in life. You want to be respected. And people respect you when you take a stand for something. Eventually, you've got to take a stand for something. You can't please everybody. You have to take a stand and say, this is the rock I'm standing on, and you're not knocking me off it. My faith is my rock. You're not knocking me off it. And whatever happens to me, I'm okay. Because God always going to catch me. I've never failed yet. He's going to pick me up. I'm good. I'm good. I tell people all the time, I'm good. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm good. You gotta worry about me. I'm good, bro. Above and beyond the intersection of faith and sports. Subscribe to receive every episode at aboveandbeyondpodcast.com.